This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. Experience the empowering feeling of the Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Get $750 cash towards the lease of our 2024 NX350 all-wheel drive. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Call 1-800-USA-LEXUS for important lease cash offer and pricing details. Restrictions apply. Not all customers will qualify. Offer available in the Lexus Eastern area in April 1st, 2024. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for attending. And now, without further ado, to answer your questions, we welcome Commissioner Carl Benson. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for attending today's press conference. Uh, at a time when there are so many uncertainties facing intercollegiate athletics, I thought that this would be a good opportunity to address some of those issues. Uh, who's got the first question? I got a question. Uh, Trent Krim from the Independent. <laughs> really? Trent Krim from the Independent? Are you kidding me? What's your question? Well, well what makes you qualified to be a commissioner? And alive. That's the best that you can have at a time when, when we've got all these issues facing us, and that's the best question you have? That's the stupidest question I've ever heard. And really... Who let this guy in? Recruiting, the lifeblood of every college football program. Tis the season for signing recruits and luring transfers to rebuild your roster. This is the month they start handing out those scholarships, with perhaps a little bonus NIL money included. Hey, that's okay. It's not against the rules anymore, right? This week on Knutson and the Commission, Commissioner Carl Benson and I are joined by national recruiting analyst Brandon Huffman of 247sports.com to talk about the current state of recruiting and re-recruiting in the transfer portal era. How much does NIL factor in now? Could we see the day anytime soon where a high school player doesn't actually need a scholarship because a booster's paying his way into school? How critical is the early signing period we just finished with? And those recruiting rankings, how does that star system really work? It's Knutson and the Commish. We're back to kick it off right after this. For the best selection of autographs and memorabilia from your favorite sports stars past and present, look no further than denverautographs.com. Find what you're after on the web or at either of their two Metro Denver locations, Colorado Mills Mall and Flatirons Mall. Broncos, Rockies, Avs, Nuggets, and much more. It's all at DenverAutographs.com. Learning life skills through baseball, USA Prime is more than just travel baseball. We mentor young athletes in areas like teamwork and skill development. It's about more than winning weekend tournaments. It's about showing young players how to achieve their goals in baseball and beyond. Contact Scott Horman at Colorado at gmail.com for more information. Carl, it's the most wonderful time of the year to watch bowl games, but it's also a big time of year for college football coaches and teams that didn't get in bowl games and everybody in college football. It's recruiting season, and we have the early signing date now, and we also have another one coming up in February. And it's complicated now with NIL, with the transfer portal, and all sorts of stuff like that. So I thought I'd bring in a guy, one of the top experts in the, in the recruiting field, Brandon Huffman from 24-7 Sports. Brandon, how are you today? I'm doing good. I got a bowl game on television as we talk. Yeah, how about that? At least that one hasn't been canceled. That's a good thing. I think it's number. I think it's number thirteen out of forty-four, Brandon. If I uh, got my numbers, correct. are we gonna get? Are we gonna get all forty-four in, guys? I uh, man, I uh, hope so. I mean, yeah. There's a, a lot of people on standby. I just saw that. Yep. It looks like Rutgers, Rutgers play yeah. and the other. Yeah. The Gator Bowl. So far, I've watched at least bits and pieces of every game that's been played. We'll see if I can keep that streak going for okay. the rest of the. We won't. We season. won't. We won't disturb too much of that. I hope. But I want to start out talking about recruiting. Obviously, it's the lifeblood of every team. We, we know that. But I've got to believe the landscape has changed. I don't know how much your job has changed as an analyst, but the landscape has changed. More teams focusing on the transfer portal and things of that nature. How do you sum, sum up recruiting now with the early signing day and transfer portal and all that? Is it's, it's not the same anymore. It just can't be. It's not the same. I mean, you, you've seen the push to the early signing period and how it was, you know, 
pretty widely accepted that mm-hmm. that was what coaches wanted. Then they got it. And now it doesn't seem to be what coaches want. I know right. players are hit or miss on it. The first year, most guys waited until February Then the next three years, you saw more of a push to December. And then when the pandemic year hit last December was the highest amount of signees. Now with the coaching carousel and now with the transfer portal, you're seeing more guys pushing back to February. So we might have to find some middle ground here where there is a change to the timeline, but what looked like a bad idea became a good idea to now being back to it. It's just really what's working. How does that complicate your job as a, as an analyst guy has to keep track of all this stuff? Well, you, you know, you're, you're tracking down a lot more information from the co- the coaching side of things. You know, in the old days you had until February and you would have usually starting around the early part of January when the official visits were really starting to ramp up in home visits were starting to happen. You'd start to get more and more, kind of misdirection being played by schools. You would see it at the All-American Bowl or the Under Armour game, and there would be so much uncertainty of where guys were going to stick because they had only given a verbal commitment instead of signing. Now with the the timeline scooting up, you're seeing more earlier commitments, but now you're seeing the coaching carousel happen. And really it's not the head coaching changes that have as great an effect on the recruiting classes. It's the assistant coaches. Um, You know, you had last week, where Oregon named a new coach three days before signing day, but there was an incomplete staff. Oregon's recruiting class really took a tumble because so many players were uncertain of who their assistant coach, who their position coach was going to be. So the whole early signing period combined with the coaching carousel ramping up to kind of a feverish level, you're tracking down more guys that you thought were done with the recruiting process now to see, well, are you in fact done with the recruiting process? Brandon, do you think that, again, you you said it pretty clearly in terms of the timing and and does the, the the original idea the original rationale for the early signing date if there hadn't been you know the pandemic if there hadn't been this coach's carousel and now we were you know here in in mid-december after you know three normal years do you think that there would be such a, a rush to you know to, to change again you know <clears throat> I don't think there would. I think there's this combination of the pandemic when, when, when you've lost the spring evaluation period in the spring of 2020, and then you lost it again in the spring of 2021. There was a lot of coaches that were uncertain about the recruits that they were signing in December or taking commitments from in this class because they had the inability to see these players. So that's why you're seeing a larger amount of guys going in the portal. A lot of them signed with school silent scene. Well, at the same time, these coaches now realize man, I've got to have the financial stability. I've got to get financial security. So I'm going to chase a bigger and better job, not worrying about the recruits that they've convinced they're going to be at that school that they signed with. And so now you're, there's a byproduct of the pandemic triggering a lot of uncertainty within athletic programs. You have even yeah. the most stable athletic programs that were taking financial budget or uh, budget cuts and budget deficits. So schools that you would have thought would have been able to withstand the pandemic now aren't. Well, then there are schools that did withstand the pandemic. There were schools in certain conferences that had fans in at games that they got yeah. the money last year. So those coaches are now being offered higher paying jobs. And I think it's a regional thing. I think, you know, the West coast coaches, the West coast schools would rather the signing period get pushed back because as they're seeing coaches leave the region to go to other parts of the country, they're trying to get coaches hired and it's not even worrying about the recruiting class. So I think, it's been like 21 months of so much uncertainty with where college athletics are going that now with the coaching carousel on the full swing and 
the signing period being so close to the coaching carousel at the end of the season, what's going to be, well, coaches are still going to leave. So now let's address the, the boogeyman that kind of doesn't exist. And that's the early signing period, because there's got to be a scapegoat for the coaching carousel. You know, around here, um, state loses their head coach. They bring in Jay Norville. Jay, before the signing date, Jay Norville takes most of Nevada's recruiting class with him to Colorado State. Um, now, that that happened prior to the signing date. But what if that had happened after? Um, I know kids can transfer, but but you can only transfer once. So what if all those kids had signed with Nevada, then Jay Norvell left. Now they got to use up their transfer, their one poker chip, to get out of there because their coach left. Do you think kids should be, when a coach moves, the kids should be released from their letter of intent and get to start the process over again? Well, I, I want to answer that in two parts if I can. Please. And one – one way of that is I don't necessarily think that it's a bad idea to let a player out of his NLI if the coach leaves, if the head coach leaves, right. so close to signing day. Remember two years ago in the 2020 signing class, Mike Leach left for the Mississippi State job in mid-January. So they had signed, I think, 16 players, 17 players in December. Right. Then the head coach leaves. Nick Rolovich then leaves Hawaii for Washington State, whereas Joe Moorhead's out at Mississippi State. So now three schools and three recruiting classes, so you're looking at about 60 players, are greatly affected by the head coach that they signed with no longer being at the school that they signed with. So it doesn't seem like a big deal, right? Only 60 players. But those 60 guys are now signing at a school that the head coach may not be a fit. And I think if you're a running back that signs with Washington or with Mississippi State, to go play for Joe Moorhead. Mike Leach comes in, wants to run the air raid. Now you're out. So you can't transfer unless you use your one-time transfer rule. But if you had signed, you could get out of your NLI if there's a head coaching change. So the, the second part of that is if there is an earlier signing period and a lot of discussion has been, maybe they move the early signing period to August, a player can get out of his NLI with the caveat only if the head coach leaves, not in the assistant coaches, but if the head coach leaves, but then like you said, to, to make it worse, it, it wasn't just that Colorado state took most of Nevada's recruiting class. They have nine transfers in yeah. that played at Nevada. Yep. So now you have nine players plus the recruiting class. Nevada's got nothing right. at this point that yep. they're trying to put a staff together. And those players that were committed to Nevada ended up flipping to Colorado. Well, what about the, our Colorado state? So, I think there needs to be a little bit more flexibility with the caveat that if your head coach leaves, you can get out of your NLI. doesn't necessarily mean you can transfer. You still have to do the one. But, yeah, it's just going to be fascinating to see because usually it's the NLI that binds the school. I'm sorry, binds the players to the school, but there's been more flexibility in recent years, especially because of the college basketball side of things. When guys sign in November – when a coaching change is made in April, then yeah. coaches leave. But with football, it had always been at the end of the season. When when do you think the first uh, lawsuit will occur <laughs> by student athletes who have been damaged by that NLI? Uh, and and again, what we're seeing is anything that is restricting you know student yeah. athletes is yeah. vulnerable to right. being challenged. Mm-hmm. Whether it's court, yep. whether it's in court or whether it's the you know the freaking Supreme Court. Yep. And yep. I mean, I I was a commissioner for thirty years in three different conferences. I I served on the NLI uh, appeals committee for twenty of those thirty years, and 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 we gradually started seeing that on the on the appeals that the 
soon as the student athlete brought a legal counsel with him or her, the, the appeals committee just laid down and, and you know, let that kid up. Yep. You know, yeah. Roy, Roy Kramer was, was long, you know, the longtime commissioner of the SEC, you know, had this standard uh, and, and he ran the NLI out of the SEC for 20 plus years. And he said, we're going to hold their feet to the fire until they, they threaten, you know, some type of legal action. And, 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 we're, and, I, and we keep on waiting. You know, there have been lawsuits around the NLI. Um, and, and there are some, some coaches and some administrators that think that the NLI has, you know, has served its purpose. And there's got to be some other mechanism, some other vehicle to manage you know, the recruitment and the ultimate admissions from the time they commit to the time they enroll. But now with the transfer portal, I mean, it, it's that you talk about one and dones in, you know, on the basketball side, you know, we're seeing, we're going to see the one and dones now, you know, on a, on a football standpoint, yep. 10 times the number yep. of one and dones in football that there was in, in the basketball side. Yep. And then you throw in the fact that, now you're having some guys that they may go down to an FCS school or they're at a group of five school and they do produce at their first school. And now they're more attractive to that power five school that just essentially says, Hey, to their trainer or their high school coach, Hey, if he went into the portal, we now think he can play. We now feel good in our evaluation after seeing what he did in the Mac or what he did in the mountain West we're ready to have them in the Pac-12 or the Big Ten. So you're going to, you know, you, you have it. And now because mm-hmm. there's been so much more leeway given to the player, you're going to see oh, yeah. benefiting kind of the haves rather than the have-nots. Well, that, we already are in, uh, we're already in a litigious society now. Oh, and I mean, think time. about how many times with the appeals process before there was the one-time transfer, you would have, there would be like no rhyme or reason. You know, uh, JT Daniels is immediately eligible at Georgia and yet a tight end from Illinois who wants to transfer to Illinois, but he lives 100 miles from campus, who's got two grandparents that are terminally ill, isn't eligible. And all JT Daniels, his only reason was he got replaced at USC by Keaton Slovis. So yep. there never seemed to be a rhyme or reason. Well, now everything's tilting towards this yep. one-time transfer. And it's not just going to benefit the recruits that want to transfer because they want playing time. It's going to benefit the schools that now can say to the running back at Northern Illinois or the wide receiver at San Jose State, Hey, okay, we didn't get to see your senior film because of the pandemic. We didn't get to see you in an evaluation period. But now we like you. Why don't you come to our school and now fit yourself right into yeah. our program? You're just going to continue to see it where yep. there wasn't well, a backup plan in place. And add, add um, NIL into this mix as well. Because now as Gary Patterson, mm-hmm. Carl and I talk about this every week, Gary Patterson's quote, there is no wrong anymore, uh, is accurate. And you mentioned, uh, you know, trainer or whatever, any booster, any car dealer can go out and buy a recruit now. Um, mm-hmm. And Carl and I, you know, Carl's point, I'll let him make it better than I can. But the only thing that kept some semblance of a level playing field was the 85 scholarships. Yeah. And that's been blown out now. That's gone, right? BYU gives out 36 more scholarships last year. You know, there, there are going to be kids that don't even need to accept a scholarship because they got an NIA deal for a million dollars. So save that scholarship for somebody okay. else. So yep. that's got to affect your job as well trying to analyze recruiting because like I said, recruiting has got, it's, it's all, it's the wild West now. It is. And you know, we've now got three full-time people that literally just manage 
transfer recruiting, transfer portal. And, and I remember when Nick Rolovich got hired at Washington State, you know, nearly two years ago, he was the first coach, at least in the Pac-12 that I knew of, that had a an administrator, director of transfer recruiting. So instead of there being director of player personnel, director of high school recruiting, this guy was in charge of managing the portal, finding potential fits and needs, and seeing how they figure in and watch their film, see if there's some available from them at their college. Maybe it was filmed from them previously when they were in high school, but now transfer recruiting to the point where now 24-7 now has a tra- uh, an overall rankings for teams that includes transfers and high school recruits. And it's trickling down. So now you're seeing more and more players be affected by a school will sign 12 players on the, the early signing period. And three years ago, they might've signed 12 in December and then signed the remaining 12 or 13 mm-hmm. in January. Now they may say, we're only going to sign two or three in this in February. We're going to go hit the portal and find guys that we can plug in for a year. So now roster management becomes that much bigger of a deal. As you mentioned, NIL is a huge part of that. And maybe with the lack of a return on investment that some of the players that signed the biggest NIL uh, deals in July. Quinn Evers comes to mind. Quinn Evers. Yeah, Quinn Evers. Uh, Spencer Rattler. Even yep. DJ Uyangalele being the first guy to appear in a Dr. Pepper commercial. Yep. They may not have gotten the return on that investment. Yep. So will there be a market where it tends to go back to a lot less that these players are getting until they prove something? Or is that going to be the ultimate trump card that these schools that are going to have? It's like, hey, you haven't done anything, but we're still going to give you $2 million and we can do it by you just coming and flashing your picture at our car lot. So NIL has completely changed the game. And I don't know that it's for the better. I don't know that it's for the worse. It's kind of too early to tell. But what we're seeing is that it is at, this was the, the 2022 class was the first recruiting class in the history of, of NCAA athletics that NIL was part of yep. their signing Plus, process. Yep. It was part of their official business, yep. their unofficial business. And now it doesn't matter what your facilities look like. It doesn't matter what your strength and conditioning program or your nutrition program looks like. It doesn't matter what your degrees were. It doesn't matter that you're putting guys in the NFL. How can I benefit from this from an NIL standpoint when I'm an 18-year-old freshman signing with your school? Because if you don't sell me on it and it doesn't sound like it's lucrative, I'm going to go to this school instead. Hey, Brandon, I'm sure somebody's going to be tracking this re- this class and the the high school uh, recruits and the high school signees, along with the transfers, the historically the the recruiting class for school A, B, and C was eighteen to twenty high school signees, seven to you know five to seven transfers, and we're we're hearing a lot about from high school associations, and and as they are starting to track the number of high school players in the state who who are going to sign and ultimately get the scholarship, how much of a drop-off are we going to see? And what is that going to mean in the trickle-down? Mark mentioned the the, the scholarship parity, and and I was always – Used to be, yeah. I was always below the line. I was always a group of five commissioner. And so, I mean, I could see, and we would always say, the economic gap is increasing – yearly and the and that gap has just gone off the charts but the but the competitive gap has remained similar because of those 85 total scholarships as we see this movement from 
fewer high school signees to more transfers in that hard 25, as they call it, where are these high school kids going to end up? And who's going to benefit? Will the group of five benefit? Will the FCS benefit? Will Division II benefit? And and how long is it going to be take to try to cycle through the pandemic year of having the extra players? The, you know, the super seniors and whatever else. And we get back to what is going to be a, a now here is the model. Here is, here's the, you know, here are the 25 players coming in unless, and this is another thing to throw in here, fellas, is with this new constitution, with the NCAA and the autonomy five, are they going to take this window of, of um, disruption and come up with a whole new, you know, structure in terms of overall scholarships. The the twenty five versus you. Know, they bring in thirty five now. I mean, it's yeah. I, I'm worried that that the that the gap, the competitive gap that we've been able to hold on to at the group of five is in serious jeopardy. Yeah, I, I think you know. Last week after signing day, I had a conversation with the Pac-12 assistant AD, and one of their big things was that there is going to be such a roster shortfall in about two or three years from now because of so many schools' insistence on using the portal to fill out their class. And there's going to be some schools that, from an academic standpoint, are never going to be able to really go into the portal. Because yeah, at, at the that's right. admission standards to get into that university are yeah. already so high. So you think about a Duke, a Northwestern, a Stanford, a Virginia, you know, schools that have been known for their academics. And it's hard to get into as a regular student. It's hard to get into as a student athlete. But now you're only, I mean, there are going to be the schools that are still going to sign 20 to 25, but maybe their conference brethren are signing 12 yeah. to 13 going to the portal. Well, eventually they're going to be the only schools that are going to be signing full classes of high schoolers. Yeah. Maybe their turnover isn't as great because guys will still really value that degree. And that's probably why they picked that school in the first place. But one of the ADs said to me that, you know, I really fear that by 2024, 2025, there is going to be such a shortage that rosters aren't even going to have 85 players on scholarship. What's going to happen is because after the 2021 season, you could still have your super seniors. You could still have the players that use that COVID year as a free year. But instead of being over the 85 limit starting in 2022, you're going to be at the 85 limit. So that now means you can only maybe sign 17 players. Maybe you can only sign 12 players. But then there's that seven for seven rule where after December 15th, if you lose seven players to the portal, you can sign up to seven and it doesn't count against your initial counters. But what we're seeing more of is, or what we're seeing less of is high school players now signing. So that's going to have the trickle-down effect where FCS schools are going to sit here and say, awesome, we're going to get this guy. But we better not play him too early because if he plays as a true freshman and does really well, we basically got a one-year rental because now here come the big schools with their big flashy polos saying, hey, you're playing – exactly. Instead of playing on ESPN3 on a Friday night in front of 8,000 people, come play for us. On yep. a Saturday, by the way, we'll get you a deal with the yep. local restaurant. Yep. And now an Eastern Washington or James Madison or a North Dakota State has to spend as much time recruiting Re- their own roster. Right. Re-recruiting, absolutely. And yeah, yeah. I wonder, remember there was a t- there was a time when the sitting down at the table with all the hats, 
was a big deal. Mm-hmm. And okay, that was a big deal. Guys putting on, which hats are you going to put on? That seemed to me at the time to be getting kind of addictive for some of these kids. The attention they got from all that was kind of addictive. I know you're probably sick to death of it because you probably had to watch a zillion of those. Um, I blame our industry for a big part. I, yeah, I agree. It seems to have waned a little bit for all the reasons we've already talked about. But are kids maybe missing out on that and saying, wow, that was fun the first time. I'll do it again. Because uh, they're making their commitment announcements when they transfer. I've now committed. To this. I mean, it's almost like they're craving that attention and they want that, that the hat ceremony two and three times during their career instead of just that one time. Is that fair? Yeah. And it, no, it's completely fair. And what's interesting is that there are some schools that like the portal a little bit more than they like high school recruiting because there isn't as much of that. There still are guys that are making right. a big deal. You're still going to get the fancy edit, the, hoop play, uh, yeah. the fancy graphic in the picture when yeah. they commit to their second school. You're going to have the you know the notes app with their reasoning why they left the yeah. school. But their goodbye letter to their former that. school. Yeah. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. you know, thank you. Thank you. Respect my decision. No yeah. interviews, please. Yeah, whatever right. it may be. <laughs> right. you, you may not see the big announcement, but there's been schools that said when we recruit the portal, we've now cut out all the BS of the recruiting process from three years ago because now we're their last chance. If they try to yeah. transfer again, they either have yeah. to transfer down to play or they have to sit yeah. out a year. So now they're finally making the decision with their head instead of making a decision with their heart or with their social media profile involved. And so you'll have schools that say, we'd rather hit the portal because you're dealing with less drama. You're dealing with less- A little more maturity maybe. More maturity. It's now a business decision by the 22 year old rather than a rash decision by an 18 year old who's got a whole host of hangers on. Well, now those hangers on have bailed on you since you transferred. So now you've got to make that better decision. And that's why you're seeing the numbers so skewed. A thousand going in, a hundred are coming out of the portal and signing. Yeah. A lot of guys are going into the portal. They, I, I remember last summer I was at a camp. It was July, and I was talking to a kid there, and he signed with a Division two school. And I'm like, "Oh man, are you excited?" Like, "Yeah, man, I, I need to go. I'm going to get that film, and then I'm going to transfer up." I'm like, "This isn't JUCO. This isn't as easy <laughs> as you think." And you're at a D two school that's a pretty average, mediocre D two program. There's like twelve guys just like you, but you're going there with the outlook that it's going to you're going to be a one-year rental and that's how you end up with the portal being overcrowded guys another thing oh i'm better than this place i saw last week there was a kid that 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 went to the portal from a division two school out west and didn't play a snap this year had no no statistics and he has his teammates tweeting a program changer a game-changing player i'm like if he's a game-changing player and a program-changing player (laughs) How did he not even play at this very average Division II program? Right. And, and that's the problem is that they crave the attention. They, they want the – and again, I, I say this knowing that our industry has yeah. created this monster. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there's this process that college coaches have to go through whenever they sign a class. we got to de-recruit them yeah. to get them out of the mindset that they were the best player that they've ever, ever we've ever recruited. Yeah. And, and now make them say, hey, we got nine guys just like you that's right. on that roster. Earn your spot. And yep. Yep. Exactly. Yep. But the, in the, these kids' minds, and it's the social mediafication mm-hmm. of recruiting, where 5,000 fans keep telling you, you're going to look great in our uniform, and then you become just another body on the depth chart when you don't crack a lineup, and then you go into the portal. Those same 5,000 people that said they were going to support you are now calling you a quitter, yeah. and you're leaving because you can't handle the pressure. So now they're realizing, well, watch. Watch how much love I get, and then 
they're not getting any love anymore. And now they're no longer playing football. And it was all because of a calculated gamble that didn't pay off. Hey, Carl, I remember the days you and I reminisce a lot on here about, I remember the days when a kid, when he was recruited, he committed to the school, not to the coach. I remember that it wasn't that long ago, was it? Where the school, what school you chose to go to for the next three or four years of your life was more important than who the coach was. They'd, they'd stay through coaching changes. Well, that, they went yeah. to school. I mean, you know, I don't know if it was so much the student athletes coming to that conclusion versus, you know, the, the NCAA and the messaging and, and the, you know, this whole idea of, like you said, when you choose a school, don't, you know, you're not going there because of the coach. I mean, I, I always had a hard time when I heard that, that uh, line of, you know, rationalizing, you know, the, you know, the, the whole recruiting process, but uh, you know, and again, what we've seen and, and it's not just this year, but it's been gradual. And, and it's the, the question of the coach can leave. Why can't this, why can't the player leave? And, you know, how many years did it take to get to quote now free agency? And, and it wasn't that long ago, Brandon, we were sitting around a table, a group of 10 commissioners, as, as they were trying to create this new autonomy governance system. And you've got the five power five commissioners and you've got the five group of five commissioners and they needed our votes to, to get this thing through the, the NCAA governance. And one of the promises that the five power five guys said, not only to, to us, but the other 20 set or the other, the other, uh, 22 commissioners go along with this autonomy and we promise you we won't change the transfer rules and we won't increase scholarship those were kind of the two quid quo pro support this and we won't do this well the the transfer thing got changed you know on on their own i mean it wasn't you know, is the threat of, of litigation and, right. and the threat of legal action. Right. So they even they, they didn't break their promise on that one. The NIL is going to increase scholarships dramatically, as we've seen. Right. So they didn't break their promise on that. But the two, things, the two things that they promised wouldn't happen, transfer rules and increase the scholarship. And here we are today. We've got both. Mm-hmm. Brandon, I've got another question for you about impact and and in this process. And it is. It's fascinating. I appreciate right. your your insight on this, the five-year eligibility idea has been around for 20 years now. And it comes up every three or four or five years. Somebody will say, you know, this makes all the sense in the world from an academic standpoint. How does the idea of a five-year eligibility fit in now to what we have with, you know, the super seniors and, you know, very rarely would you hear hear about the sixth-year player now we're going to be seeing some seven-year players, yeah. perhaps. Um, and you know, one of the one of the arguments in favor of the five-year was that that's it. You know, you've got yeah. five years to play five, and there's no there's no waivers, there's no injuries. You've no got red five shirts. to play five. What's interesting now is you're seeing, you know, with the four game that you could play in the year not to not affect your redshirt rule. And, you know, I looked at it at the University of Washington, for instance. Sam Heward, their star incoming freshman quarterback this year, you know, was a University of Washington legacy, played in three games. Then they, the, the UW coaches, when Jimmy Lake was fired, the interim coaches didn't play him in a game to preserve the redshirt year. 
Then he ended up starting the Apple Cup, had a rough game, but he's still a retro freshman. Mm -hmm. Well, here's the thing. If you're good enough and you're as good as we think you are, as schools think you are, you're never going to get to that. Right. right. And if you get a kid to his fifth year, that in itself with the transfer portal the way it is now, is almost a miracle in itself that you kept the kid on your campus for five years because Mm -hmm. that meant there was a redshirt year involved, Mm -hmm. which meant he wasn't playing which meant he stuck it out and didn't try to transfer somewhere else when he might get up the depth chart quicker. I mean, we're going to hit a point where, yes, there is that fifth year available, but a fifth year player might become a unicorn when it comes to collegiate yeah. athletics, because now it certainly is in basketball. I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you know, it's what's fascinating about the bowl season is you're seeing, you know, today I've already seen three players from Wyoming put their names on the yeah. portal. They played their game yesterday and now they're yeah. going to the portal. Yeah. Or, or you're seeing other guys leave for the NFL, and I'm thinking, I mean, you didn't even start on your six and six, <laughs> seven and five team. You're going right. to the NFL. That's right. You know, so you're you're seeing guys, you know, either leave. And so now, this again, it goes back to where now there's going to be a surplus of scholarships and not enough people to fill them. Wow. Unless there seems to be back a shift back towards let's stop focusing solely on the portal. Let's go sign high school players. Mm-hmm. understanding those high school players may leave if they don't get on the field. And so it's going to be fascinating because you have the fifth year, but our players going to be around to get to the fifth year. And wait, you have high school players, but are they going to stick around and stay and not transfer? It's and just, mean, we are in completely new territory. And just wait till the XFL opens up again. Right. Cause now you got a whole yes. other, I'm declaring for the XFL draft. I'm leaving Absolutely. Wyoming. I mean, I had to have a big game on the, at, in the potato bowl. And now I'm off to some other school. There's crazy stuff. Uh, Brandon, before we let well, you and, go, Oh, go, go ahead. Yeah, well, I just say, you know, and, and so now, you know, to, to go back to the, the whole fifth year thing and the super year, you, you got guys that are fifth year players, six year players. Those are usually the guys that kind of understand, listen, that my NFL draft chances right. are probably next to none. So I'm going to go play this for one more year, get my master's degree, walk yeah. out with no college debt. Yeah. And those are the guys that are taking advantage of it in the right way. But you're, yep. you're seeing and with the grad transfer and, and here's the other thing I, this, I just want to mention this because I think this okay. is fascinating for years Stanford always had the highest APR because guys never left without a Stanford degree okay. then you had about three straight drafts where Solomon Thomas and Austin Hooper and Christian McCaffrey Stanford, all yep. left after two and a half years without getting their degree and now Stanford which prided themselves on having one of the highest APRs annually okay. now was losing guys to yep. the draft and it was affecting their APR. So what did they do? Well, they started taking early enrollees. They started helping guys say, don't go home during summer, go to school full time in the summer. That way, if you decide to go to the NFL after two and a half, three years, you still leave with your degree. Well, then what was happening at Stanford is guys were graduating in three years, but they redshirted a year. Then they weren't getting into the graduate programs at Stanford because they're so competitive worldwide yeah. that now yeah. guys are leaving Stanford not because they wanted to, but because they couldn't wow. get into a graduate program. Wow. So even then, even when guys are graduating early, there's no guarantee that that school is going to admit them into the graduate program. So some guys are almost being forced to transfer from an academic standpoint. So you wow. take all those factors in, and now the fifth year rule is kind of becoming null and void because ain't nobody sticking around till year number yeah. five anymore. Brandon, we have to let you go real quick, but I just have a minute, couple minutes left. But I want to ask you this before I let you go. The star system puzzles me. Um, teams with with fewer scholarships to give, you could a, a team could sign ten four stars and be ranked in your rankings way below somebody that signs thirty or twenty five three stars. It seems to be quantity over quality. 
Is that a, why do they stick with that with a star? System? Yeah, don't worry. I've been in this industry for 19 years, and the star system still befuddles me at times. Okay. And I'm working okay. in the star system. Okay. Okay. Um, basically, it, it is. It, 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 it's the the higher your rank, you you could have a small class, but we're gonna you know it's gonna look at calculate almost towards the average star rating per recruit. So a class that might be smaller in terms of numbers, but has mm -hmm. higher numbers, is going to have a higher average rating, but at the end of the day, yeah. in the final ranking, ranking that's a, a way down the list. Yeah, the final yes. ranking, it's going to be, they're going to be down below. Oh my God, we're, fi we're 52nd in recruiting this year because we only signed 12 guys. You only had 12 scholarships to give this year. Guys. It's, it's, exactly. It's and then the schools that signed 25 three stars have yeah. more points. Yeah. So there's a way to toggle it. But yeah. the default is always, but you know what? Players but you know what? Fine. You guys, we, we say all this stuff. But look back four years, four years ago, and the top 10 this year kind of reflects the top 10. You guys do a really good job under really adverse or difficult situations, and it's just getting tougher for you uh, with all this other stuff. Hey, Brandon, we really appreciate your time. It's been great having Thanks, you. Brandon. I look forward to talking to you again. Uh, good luck. I know you're – I was going to say your work is done, but it's not. you got a whole bunch more work <laughs> to do, another month and a half of this nonsense, and then maybe you can take a little break. Go see some baseball. Hopefully we'll have some baseball for you to watch. All right? Absolutely. I'll take it. Thanks for take having me. Thank, Thank you very much. You. Carl, you got a thumbs up, thumbs down? I, for got, us? We'll I do. All right. I do. We'll come back right after this. Carl, have his thumbs up, thumbs down right after this. For the best selection of autographs and memorabilia from your favorite sports stars, past and present, look no further than denverautographs.com. Find what you're after on the web or at either of their two Metro Denver locations Colorado Mills Mall and Flatirons Mall, Broncos, Rockies, Avs, Nuggets, and much more. It's all at denverautographs.com. Learning life skills through baseball, USA Prime is more than just travel baseball. We mentor young athletes in areas like teamwork and skill development. It's about more than winning weekend tournaments. It's about showing young players how to achieve their goals in baseball and beyond. Contact Scott Horman at Colorado at gmail.com for more information. Who says bowl games are just meaningless exhibition games? Not the Huskies from Northern Illinois University, nor the commission of the Mid-American Conference. In case you didn't watch the Orlando Cure Bowl last week, Trailing Coastal Carolina 47 to 41, and on the shot to clear seven yard line, the Huskies got hosed on the final play of the game when the officiating crew, both on the field and in the replay booth, didn't give the Huskies one last play to try and win the game. Replay showed the NIU receiver was out of bounds, and the Huskies should have had one last play. So my thumbs down goes to those striped shirts on the field and the three replay officials in the press box who took away that chance for a, a great upset win by the Huskies. My thumbs up goes to my good friend, Mac Commissioner John Steinbrecher, who issued a press release after the game saying that the officials blew the call. Way to go, John, for sticking up for one of your teams. You get my thumbs up for the week. And once again, well said, Commissioner. There's the final gun. Thanks for Brandon Huffman of 24-7 Sports for being our guest this week. For Commissioner Carl Benson, I'm Mark Knutson. Thanks for joining us. Merry Christmas and keep on enjoying bowl season. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.